everyone, I'm Tony Damien. And I'm Andrew Rich. And today we are talking about private companies, public rules. So when everyone thinks of ASX listed companies, they go, well, of course, the takeover rules apply to those companies. But there are many unlisted companies as well, Andrew, uh, to whom those same rules apply. We're talking unlisted public companies, unlisted proprietary limited companies. It doesn't matter. The key point is if they've got more than 50 shareholders, the takeover rules apply to them. And uh, so people don't think about this. People sometimes get surprised. But uh, And the panel's had some thoughts lately as well about how the rules ought to apply because sometimes I know people can be tempted to try and um, you know, artificially or otherwise get the numbers under 50. That's right, Tony. The general proposition is if you try to artificially bring yourself below the 50 shareholder takeover threshold, you should expect that ASIC and the panel are going to have a good hard look at it. On the other hand, if you're in a situation where you've got less than 50 shareholders and you think you might tip over 50 shareholders, what you sometimes see happen is the company will incorporate a trust structure. And that trust structure is designed so that people will start holding their shares through a bare trust, meaning they don't need to be bothered with the Chapter 6 takeover rules. Yeah, we do need to be careful with our language as well. We say artificially, but sometimes there are perfectly legitimate and valid reasons to do that. The other, the other feature, I think, Andrew, and you've, you've done a few of these, I've done a few of these, uh, is that when people go into that regulated deal where it's not a listed company, people are thinking, well, I want, I want, you know, I want the things that I might have in a private M&A deal, even though this is really a public M&A deal. What are the sorts of things that people think about? Yeah, Tony, one or two obvious examples. You've got the question about warranties. Can you get warranties? Another one is, can you get um, adjustments to purchase prices like you can in a, in a private deal? But Tony, have you seen any examples of that? Well, Andrew, if ever there was a question that was there for me to hit, uh, sure, it might, might have been 20 years ago, but 20 years ago, but of course, the cash card scheme uh, is a great example of uh, an unlisted company, but with an American purchaser uh, saying, well, it's not listed, so I don't have the benefit of all of your disclosures to ASX, which of course, that's a fair comment. And so I'd like a set of warranties that I'll get in a private M&A deal where uh, the business I'm buying isn't listed. And that's a real tension because you've got to try and fit that in to the overlay of, uh, of a scheme of arrangement. In that case, which we managed to do, uh, very, very complicated. We actually had ASIC object to that in court, but uh, all, all was well and the deal, the deal went ahead. In more recent times, there have been other ways uh, to achieve that as well with contingent benefit notes, etc. But that's warranties. Andrew, the other good point you mentioned is people often get thinking about earnouts and those sorts of things. Yeah, and we've seen a number of those in unlisted contexts. Uh, the Booper Dental Corp scheme of arrangement, probably about 10 years ago now, but was an example where there was an earnout in the context of a scheme of arrangement that involved an unlisted public company with more than 50 shareholders. So you do see these private M&A concepts filter into these unlisted uh, transactions as well. And I guess the, the intersection of, uh, of all of this is, is in a stub equity deal where you do have a listed deal, but uh, shareholders uh, are offered the ability to roll some of their stock into an unlisted vehicle. And we've certainly seen asset guidance on that, the way to do it. Uh, we've seen earnouts in those sorts of vehicles as well. So that's another I guess, the intersection of public and private in this context. Yeah, I guess, where, where does this leave us? It leaves us with an interesting policy question. Is it right that the takeover provisions should apply to unlisted companies at all, Tony? I mean, that's a very interesting question. I'd uh, be interested in your thoughts on that. Uh, my instinct would be it's a, it's a very good question to ask and uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably be in favour of, of not having those rules apply to un unlisted companies. 
Uh, at the moment, I guess we've got a bit of a tension there, trying to manage our way through it. The regulators, you can see that tension in, in some of the, the guidance they put out. But what's your view, Andrew? Yeah, look, I'm inclined to agree. I think what, what we really need is a case-by-case -case analysis. We need a more holistic uh, analysis of whether 50 members is the right threshold for the, the takeover provisions. Uh, you can quite easily mount a case for a company that's you know, worth less than a million dollars that they shouldn't be put to the expense of having to comply with the takeover provisions in order for someone to acquire it. Anyway, lots of um, points to consider on that front. And also, uh, there are lots of points to consider in the panel's new guidance on both insider participation in transactions as well as on deal protection, Andrew. Yes, indeed there is. And that panel has uh, just recently published its final guidance notes on those two topics. And I think we should talk about that in the next episode of Himalayan Bites. Sounds like a good idea to me. Thank you for watching. Thank you.